0: From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to mix things up a bit by taking you inside the making of TT's 2022 Top 100 Logistics Companies report, which we just published on April 11th. If you're not familiar with this project, we compile data on the largest third-party logistics providers in North America and produce a ranking based on annual revenue. This includes the industry's top freight brokers, freight forwarders, warehousing and fulfillment providers, and dedicated contract carriers. And this list really serves as an annual deep dive into the 3PL segment of the freight transportation industry. And this year, we've actually doubled the scope of the project, but we'll get into that momentarily. To discuss how we put this all together, I'm going to bring in my colleague, Marissa Gamash, Features Coordinator at Transport Topics. Thanks for joining us, Marissa. Of
1: course. Thanks, Seth. I'm really excited to be here and to have this conversation about not only a project we work really hard on, but something that has just absolutely amplified the visibility of 3PL companies this year. So really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. And I think you're you're spot on there. I mean... uh, you know, the three PL segment is just really growing, and uh, it's great that we are able to to grow this publication alongside you know that portion of the industry. And you know just to to start off, could you just tell us about the making of the top one hundred, you know, and the related sector lists that are included in the publication? Just walk us through the process of you know gathering this information and compiling it, and uh, you know taking taking us all the way through to the to the final publication.
1: Oh, of course, yeah, this is definitely a little tricky with the timing of when we start. Um, I think you know so many companies we rely on their annual revenue information for which close of book for them can be, you know, as as late as March in terms of their reporting of 10Ks and whatnot. So we really look to get started uh, mid-February on sending out surveys to our contact database. And we've got, you know, 600 plus companies that we're reaching out to across North America. And we blast them with the survey, just asking for all the minutiae of information that they can, can and are willing to share. So we're looking at annual revenue, both gross and net. We're looking at, you know, dedicated contract, truck counts, um, and kind of all the different sector information that we need to get them placed on not only the top 100 list, but the proper sector lists as well. Um, So once we kind of get through that survey portion, we actually partner with Armstrong and Associates, a um, consulting firm that really focuses heavily on North American logistics companies. And so we'll share our information with them. They kind of give us what they've gotten from a lot of their um, companies that they track. And then that's where this checks and balances process goes through, where we work back and forth with them trying to figure out what number's right. You know, um, it, it is really hard sometimes for these companies that are for hire and are on the for hire list, but also have a logistics sector and segment of their business trying to really parse out um, what revenue we should count, maybe what dedicated trucks count as opposed to just their entire fleet, um, which, you know, you've, you've been a part of that, just trying to really get down the, the correct numbers so that they they do fall on the list properly. And then once we get that short up, it goes into our editing process, and then we send out our pages. Um, We sent them out a couple weeks ago to ensure that we get them to the printer on time, and then we start the web version. And I think the web version is an awesome opportunity for those last-minute changes that might need to be made as little things come in. But yeah, when we hit that send button um, on April 8th is when we pushed out the website, and then April 11th, copies in hand. Not until then do you really get that that breath of like, okay, we've made it. We're we're here.
0: Yeah, certainly a lot of work goes into this. I mean, this is you know, multiple months uh, of of work, uh, preparation, you know, research, surveys. You know, responding, you know, via email and phone call you know, to all these companies. There are hundreds of companies that are you know on our radar uh, in the three PL space. So it really is a, a quite a, a, an undertaking, and you know we. Um, we, we bit off even more this year, uh, expanding the list. So, uh, just that much more uh, work and preparation to put this all together. Uh, and you know, as, um, you know, as you mentioned, Marissa, of course, we, we work closely with uh, Armstrong associates to, uh, to compile the list. So, you know, I would like to give a special shout out to, to Amy St. Peter and Evan Armstrong for all the help and expertise they bring to this project each year. Um, and you know, that uh, partnership has grown alongside, you know, this, uh, you know, this annual publication we, we put together. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we really did kind of level up this this product this year. You know, we've been publishing this as a top 50 list now for the first time. You know, it's, it's really great to present this as a top 100 list. And it really captures uh, that much more of the industry, you know, the largest players in the, the logistics industry. Now, naturally, that created a lot more work for us and, <laughs> you know, and for you especially, Marissa. But, I do also like to think that it provides a lot more value for our readers. So you know, from your perspective, Marissa, you know, how does this year's publication stack up to what we've published in the past?
1: Yeah, I think it is very it's very beneficial what we've been able to do in terms of finding the information. Um, I think trying to push it to 100, there was a lot of growing pains. And I know that you can feel this too, because a lot of these companies are a lot they're new on our radar. You know, this is a this is a fresh year for them. Maybe making any of our lists, but because we've had the opportunity to expand, it's a lot of tracking down of new information. But what it really offers, I think, is a more uh, total, like a total view of really the companies that are out there. Because when it's just the top 50, I think unfortunately you have to cap it at a number that doesn't give the full scope of the actual base that we have for 3PLs in North America. So not only do you get, uh, you know, 50 more companies to really digest their information on, but this year we kind of revamped the descriptions for every single company. So rewriting new company overviews, um, you know, often they get a little tired and we've reused some of the information for a year or two. Um, but this year we really focused and wanted to give the readers an opportunity to really understand what each business offered in terms of, you know, do they do um, cross-border work? Are they, you know, customs? Where where are they able to help? Are they doing aerospace and defense? Um, and with all of those sectors, you know, they were just alphabetized prior and we were putting them down how they were giving them to us on the survey um, A through Z. This year, we've got them really honed in on like top three offerings from each company, um, and that's with all, all top 100. So, not only do we have more companies, I think we just have a higher quality of information um, out there for the readers. And then that also you know, just transfers into the, the sector lists. So you get to really understand what companies are on what sector lists throughout the publication. And I think it just adds the value of understanding the industry served. So I think we've put in a lot of, a lot of work this year that will pay dividends in the years to, to come. I do want to note, you know, one thing that readers won't see this year is a ranking from last year for companies that were on last year's publication, you know, moving from 50 to 100. um, There's going to be 50 unranked companies. So dare I say that number didn't really seem like it was going to give a true scope of where companies were last year. So that is one one other difference that I'd really like to note. But yeah, I think it's just um, a big step up and I think it'll only continue to get better.
0: Yeah. Well, as the editor of the publication, you know, perhaps I'm a bit biased, but I, I do believe this is, you know, without a doubt, the best version of this publication uh, we've ever produced at Transport Topics. You know, this is, you know, not just more, uh, you know, more companies, more information, but it's also better information. I think it's, uh, we, we better capture, you know, the essence of the services that these companies are providing. And, you know, I, when I think about how we plan and produce this publication, I want it to be something that, you know the average person who maybe is getting their start in the transportation uh, business and doesn't know the industry that well can pick up, you know, as a as a reference and know who all these players are at a glance and really learn. And of course, for those who are um, are veterans of our industry who have been doing this for many years, if not decades, you know, they can see how these companies are growing from year to year, uh, how their services are evolving, and. You know, it's also fun if you're working at one of these companies to see where you stack up with uh, your your competitors and and where you stand uh, you know uh, from you know the vantage point of the the entire industry and uh, to your point on the you know the the prior year rankings yes I mean it I, uh, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to have a uh, year ago ranking when we moved to a top 100 because half the the companies wouldn't have you know weren't ranked uh, by definition last year but Uh, We will bring that back next year uh, now that we settle into the top 100. Uh, So that'll be a a feature that'll uh, return uh, when it makes sense uh, next year. And, you know, before we go any further, I should mention that, you know, the top 100 logistics companies and the sector lists are available online at ttnews.com today. And, of course, uh, Transport Topics subscribers received the print version. It was packaged with the April 11th issue of Transport Topics, And, uh, you know, I will say personally, I really do like the print version because, you know, this is, again, really meant to be an industry reference that you keep at your desk year round um, and you can replace it with next year's when it's published. But it's not something that you look at once and then recycle. Uh, This is something you want to keep with you. And I think that that's a really strong point for the print product. Uh, Plus, you get the full effect of Brian Kelly's uh, creative cover designs uh, in print. So, uh, you know, I do like the the print version of the publication. Um, and uh, also, before we go any further, let's talk about uh, the rankings themselves.
1: Yeah. So yeah, this, yeah. You
0: know, looking at our uh, top 100 list, we'll start at number one. Um, you know, no surprise, C.H. Uh, Robinson, you know, the largest freight broker in North America remains number one. They're also they're not just the largest freight broker. They're also the largest 3PL in North America. Uh, but there was a lot of interesting movement elsewhere on the list. And one thing we certainly saw this year, uh, some of the largest ocean and air freight forwarders in particular really posted some dramatic revenue growth last year. Uh, and you see that on the list. Number two, Expeditors International of Washington. Uh, you've got number four, Kuhn and Nagel, uh, uh, the America's division of that global company. Uh, number seven, uh, DSV, another uh, global company that has operations uh, in North America, are some of the examples of that. Uh, Marissa, when you look at the list, uh, what are some of the companies and, and ranking changes that really stood out to you this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, the top 10, you know, as you pointed out, some of them had some tremendous growth. And I think that just speaks volumes to where the industry is at right now. I think, you know, TQL, total quality logistics, almost doubling in gross revenue, but still staying at number nine as opposed to last year. You know, if we look at the top 10 is just such a testament to the, to the year that these companies have had. Um, so, you know, to be able to double as already being, you know, a $4 billion um, revenue company up to almost eight, I was like, wow. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting and not that they had changed rankings per se, but just kind of the fact that they held on even with that growth. Um, another one that I saw was, you know, Seco Logistics. They just had a huge jump on the list. Last year, they weren't even in the top 50. And now this year, we see them at number 29. Um, And I know that some of that growth was propelled by their acquisition of like Bansard International. But that still helped in their North American business sector because it was global. And I think we're definitely seeing that from it. Um, Acquisitions, we'll get into those in a little bit. But I think they were kind of just 2021 was another huge year for them. In terms of the smaller companies, you know, I'd really like to point out um, number seventy-two on the list this year, Priority One. They grew seventy-eight percent, and I really think that those numbers are hard for a smaller firm. And that's kind of the same thing with number seventy-five, Spot Freight. Again, you know, they grew by ninety-seven percent to seven hundred and thirteen million in gross revenue. And I think one of those things when I'm seeing these jumps on the list that kind of strings them together is it's such a testament to the freight brokerage portion of these companies. And clearly they've got a great model going, being able to scale up that big and even looking at some of the, the other companies that are like Axel Logistics. I mean, we look back to when they first kind of got on our radar, and um, this year alone they went from 176 million to 520 million, almost you know, 200% growth in one year. Um, So I think kind of those jumps that we're seeing in the middle to bottom of the top 100, you know, we didn't have them ranked last year, but we were keeping a track on. We obviously they were on our radar; they were maybe on one of our sector lists, but to see them really bump up the way they did um, it kind of raises questions of like, what, you know, how, how is this happening? What's going on? And I think it, it kind of just has to come down to like this great connection with shippers and carriers. Um, and I don't know, Seth, like, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of stuff going on in the top 10 as well, but there's just, there's a lot more companies to digest and just understanding the intricacies of how they have been able to jump and be so successful. Um, I think it's
0: awesome. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a Transport Topic Special Report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws electrification. And I think that you're you're spot on in terms of the the growth story for three PLs last year. I mean, it was, this was just a, a tremendous year for for growth for so many of these companies. And you know, you mentioned a lot of them already, but you know, you can go through our top 100 list, and the overwhelming majority grew, and most of them grew, you know, very significantly uh, in terms of revenue. And you know, as I was putting together the the cover story. You know, I got into some conversations with uh, some 3pL executives about that and it was a lot of factors coming together you know of course we've heard so much about all the supply chain constraints and disruptions and you know that's made it really difficult for shippers out there who need to find a way to get their you know products to market to get their uh, you know materials in you know raw materials uh, for manufacturing and uh, that, of course, means that there's a need for logistics experts. I mean, this is when, you know, times like these are when they really have a, a chance to, to shine um, and, and solve their their shipper customers' problems. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, looking, especially at freight brokerage, uh, capacity was really tight. You know, it, it was hard to find a truck for a long time. And uh, at the same time, you have the large... Um, for higher motor carriers, you know they're really struggling to to bring in drivers. I mean that's been the case, you know, as long as I've been covering this industry for you know more than a decade now. Uh, but this past year in particular has really, really been tough for driver recruiting, driver retention. Um, so they've been you know really raising driver pay, uh, which is great to see you know, across the board. Uh, of course, to to pay for that, they're typically raising their rates. Uh, so shippers have been looking at ways to you know one find enough trucks to move all their freight and uh, and two also look at you know what other options are out there to to control their costs you know given those rate increases and you know some of the freight brokerage executives I spoke with you know again for that cover story said that this environment really opened the door for brokers to to kind of get in in the door and you know be, become a partner with some additional shipper customers who are again looking for more options in the market. Uh, a lot of freight brokers, of course, work closely with owner operators and small uh, trucking companies. Um, so that was a way to for shippers to find capacity in a really tight capacity market. You know for the, so for those shippers um, and, and for those three PLs, I should say, who really have you know a good relationship with their their carrier base and you know treat their carriers like customers uh, and, you know, had access to that, that freight hauling capacity last year was a really good opportunity for them to, to build their business and, and build partnerships with more, more shippers. Uh, so really, I mean, that, that's really reflected across the, the entire list. When you look at the numbers, not just, you know, look at the, the rankings, but then dive into, uh, you know, the, the revenue, you know, gains at some of these companies is pretty dramatic. Uh, sounds like you saw a lot of the same, Marissa, as you uh, were putting all this together.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I just think seeing seeing what's going on with all of these. You know, our top fifty last year, the revenue cut off. You know, the fiftieth company, the revenue for gross rev was eight hundred and forty four million. This year, number fifty, Odyssey Logistics did almost one point two billion in revenue. Top fifty. So to just you know, I think that it. it If that doesn't speak volumes, you know, I don't know what would. The fact that our top 50 cutoff, you've got to be over a billion, whereas last year we're looking at 840 million, you know, across all the surveys that we got and information gathered, you know, of the top 100 companies on our list that maybe didn't have like a sell-off or split, only three companies saw gross revenue decline. That's, that's, you know, up, up, up is all we see right now in logistics sectors. And those couple that did drop, is because of you know maybe a, a different restructuring or something like that, and that was just three of a hundred, and so that that boost, um, like you said, you know it's it's a doggy dog world right now, and it's tight, and I think at this point, you know shippers are they're they're gonna pay what they need to pay to get their goods where they need to go, and. I mean, it's, I think things are going to definitely settle down. We know that for a fact, you know, this, this industry things ebb and flow, but yeah, this year it was up and I think we see that alone in just looking at where those revenue cutoffs were last year versus this year. That's huge.
0: Yeah, it's a really good example of what we're seeing. And, um, you know, you mentioned a few examples already of, uh, some M&A activity and, You know, that's been a trend for a while now, and that certainly continued over the past year. Um, Really examples of both consolidation and fragmentation among the largest 3PLs. And I'll start with uh, XPO Logistics. You know, they were uh, number two on our list a year ago, uh, but they've now separated into two standalone companies. So the, the contract logistics business, you know, the warehousing and fulfillment, you know, that's now a company called GXO Logistics. And they make their debut on the list at number eight, uh, and XBO is still on there, of course, at uh, number six. Um, but uh, that's not the end of the uh, the XBO news by a long shot. You know, the company is going to further split up. You know, right now, what's left at XBO is the uh, you know a very large, less than truckload carrier, you know, and all their freight brokerage uh, business. So. You know, as we record this conversation, that uh, that that's, that further split hasn't happened yet, but is expected in, in the second quarter of this year, and then we'll have um, you know an LTL carrier and a, a very large freight broker as separate uh, businesses as the company re- refocuses on on these uh, you know pure play strategies uh, moving forward. Uh, and another very interesting move uh, when I look at the you know the M and A space was Uber Freight. Uh, they acquired Transplace and, uh, you know, now that combined business, uh, moves into the top 10 on our list, you know, and Uber Freight still feels like a pretty new player. Um, you know, they've been out at it for several years now, but, um, you know, they've, you know, Uber has clearly invested a lot in that business, sees that as one of the company's large, uh, um, you know, growth opportunities beyond their core, you know, ride hailing, uh, passenger car, you know, uh, a business that they've they built the company on, uh, and, and the acquisition of Transplace really uh, you know created a, a very large organization that's now in the top ten of our uh, top one hundred logistics companies lists. Uh, So, you know, Marissa, I know you already mentioned a couple, but are there any other mergers or acquisitions uh, that you'd like to highlight?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, across all sectors, I think we've seen some sort of acquisition or, you know, gobbling up of another company. I mean, one thing I didn't note on the, the changes in rank numbers, but Lineage Logistics, which they're a huge refrigerated, you know, storage warehousing company, they went from 31 to 17. And I mean, because of the help of acquisitions. I mean, they acquired um, Hanson Logistics in August of last year. And from last year to this year, you know, more than 400 million cubic feet um, of refrigeration uh, warehousing that they grew by, and their revenue just went massive. So Hanson's just one of the many that they've continued to acquire um, along that route. Um, I'd also like to note, you know, number 37, we've got Marisco Logistics North. America, um, they are in the process of finalizing the purchase of number 44, which is Pilot Freight Services. And that's looking to be about a $1.7 billion acquisition. um, And that would put them around $3 billion um, and put them in the top 25 next year. So I think that's one. Again, it's not finalized. Definitely, I think they're, they're right on the cusp of making that official. Some things have been signed. But that will be a big, big change up in the top 50, top 100 segment. Um, In a little smaller, I would say, you know, Ryder Supply Chain Solutions, they did acquire um, the 3PL Whiplash, which is a fulfillment and warehousing company. And I think that was key for them. It wasn't a big acquisition. I think it was around $400 million, um, but they had key warehouses at um, port facilities. So we're talking, you know, California, Washington State, New York, Savannah, Georgia, acquiring those facilities for Ryder, I think will be really beneficial as the time moves on um, to see what they can do with that space. And then one thing to note too on the list, not, not an acquisition, but um, more of a transition in name, but Trans Group has officially faded away and the, the entire brand has now become one under Scan Global Logistics. So when you look at, you know, the top, the top list, you'll see that TransGroup is no longer on there and we've got Scan at number 65 this year. So a little bit of movement. I mean, a lot of companies doing a little little things here and there. There are some big big news items that we do want to keep a, an eye on, but those are kind of the ones that I I'm keeping my head to the ground, ear to the ground trying to figure out what that might mean for next year.
0: Yeah, and you already mentioned a few that are Uh, have been announced and have been agreed to, not yet finalized. And, you know, the cutoff for our list are, of course, we limit it to uh, acquisitions that are done deals. Um, So when there's a a deal that is announced, um, but hasn't gone through yet, that's one that we'll save for next year. And we already see a few of those uh, coming uh, up uh, for next year's publication, even though we've, we've just wrapped up this year's already. So, uh, hasn't shown any signs of slowing down uh, there's clearly a lot of growth a lot of investment um, in the, the 3pL space and with that comes a lot of m a activity uh, and I think we'll see uh, more of that uh, of course in the in the year to come you know another um, you know maybe talking a little bit more broadly about these publications and you know, of course our our top 100 logistics companies uh, list is one of four annual publications, uh, four uh, top 100 or top 50 lists uh, that we produce each year. And they really serve as snapshots of the industry segments they represent. So this one, um, you can almost think of as a, as a yearbook for the 3PL industry in, in a way. So it's not just a, a list of names. It's not just a, um, updated data on the, the biggest companies. But we also do explore the the trends that are really altering the business landscape for these companies, uh, both in the you know the lead story and also in some of the other articles and columns that appear in the publication. Uh, so, Marissa, I just want to kind of open it up to you. Uh, what are some of the you know the three PL industry trends that that you see reflected on this list?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know you're, you're just as good as I, if not better, at really understanding these companies, but. I, from what I saw pulling things together, you know, I really see a continued push with acquisitions, mergers. That's, I think, the only way that we're really going to have the continued growth that we see now. And it's it's always happened. Sometimes it slows down. But I think, I think we could see that continuing. Um, hence, we already have some on our docket for next year. Um, but I think also with freight brokerage firms, I just think they are going to continue to be some of the biggest winners and growth winners in the 3PL sector, you know, with capacity crunches is what they are. Um, if they can capitalize on that connection of shippers and carriers, um, I think the trend will continue that our top 100 will really be dominated by successful freight brokerage firms, um, just Just from what I'm seeing from the numbers that are being put up, and a lot of companies that are moving up the list when you look at their breakdown of where that revenue growth is coming from, it's, oh, they've popped open a freight brokerage arm of their company, or you know they've they've done away and sold off their assets and they've gone to a complete non asset based um you know freight brokerage model. So I think that's another trend that we should keep an eye on. And I also see, you know, almost a good portion, I would say not all, but a lot of companies in their surveys, you know, it's really been popular for some time, but talking about all of the different, you know, management system platforms, transportation and load boards and the software that they're putting together. I think that more of these companies have found that, that can also be profitable to sell off to smaller firms or to, to be able to sell their product, their technology software um, for, you know, freight management systems. And I think we're going to continue to see that. I don't – I'm not as much on the tech side, I feel like, Seth, as you, so you really have that insight But from the surveys and what people were talking about, you know, a lot of them put down that this was an offering they had or something that they highlighted as their business model.
0: Transport topics in one word. Authoritative. Knowledge. Knowledge. Outstanding.
1: Reliable. We asked Transport Topics readers to describe us in one word. Informative.
0: Informative. Integrity. The Bible. Authoritative. The authority. Transportation information, that's two, but I've I, I got to have it both.
1: Physically large. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's two words. Visit influence.ttnews.com forward slash say hello to find out what they're talking about.
0: Marissa, I'll, I'll pick up on that last point. Um, I think we've continued to see really the, the digital revolution come to uh, the third-party logistics uh, business. You know that's been a case for for quite some time, and it continues to expand. Uh, so we see three PLs really they're investing in technology to ultimately drive better business decisions. They're automating manual processes. You know, uh, fewer uh, manual phone calls and more you know automated uh, software uh, where that makes sense, and then that frees up your your brokers or your back office workers to uh, handle you know, provide customer service and handle those unusual events that come up, uh, that always come up in transportation. So managing by exception, and they're there to support a customer when they're dealing with a particularly you know, difficult situation, you know, a headache to, to manage. Uh, and that ultimately leads to to better customer service, you know, through the use of automation. Uh, and, you know, again, the, the workers can spend more of their time solving problems rather than doing uh, repetitive tasks, and um, you know, we see more and more logistics providers are utilizing digital freight matching capabilities, and uh, and it's not just you know visibility anymore; it's also uh, rate and pricing transparency tools. Uh, so, again, understanding the market better, you know, market trends, and just acting with uh, more agility in, in what we know is a fast-moving market, uh, especially in a you know, volatile freight market. Uh, like we've seen over the last couple of years. Uh, So, you know, companies are in some cases uh, developing, you know, their own in-house platforms, their own TMS systems that their customers can use. Uh, In many cases, of course, they are partnering with uh, software uh, companies uh, and investing uh, in in those systems, Um, you know, third-party software systems that can be tailored to their businesses. So it's a mix of both. Uh, and we do see a lot of the investment, you know, not just on the the biggest names that appear at the top of our top 100 list, but also a lot of companies that are more toward the bottom of the of the top 100 list or don't appear on the list are also investing in software, you know, usually third-party software in that case, uh, to to really automate their processes and have a better IT backing for the services that they provide. Um, and then you look at, uh, you know maybe the uh, more forward-looking stance on uh, technology development, there are some large 3PLs that are even involved in the uh, ongoing testing of autonomous trucks. So C.H. Robinson and J.B. Hunt, um, you know, right near the top of our list, are uh, both working with Waymo, uh, which is developing not only self-driving cars, but also self-driving trucks. And then you have SEVA Logistics is working with Kodiak Robotics. So uh, we've been reporting heavily on what the you know, four higher carriers are doing and the motor carriers are doing um, as they partner with uh, autonomous vehicle developers. But we have large 3PLs that are uh, doing much the same. Uh, One other trend that I will mention, of course, is just the continued growth of e-commerce and, you know, online shopping. You know, that really accelerated during the pandemic, you know, especially while people were social distancing. But even as we, you know, continue to return to normal, uh, we're hearing that a lot of that, E-commerce demand has has continued. You know, people are maybe uh, continuing to to feel more comfortable ordering a broader range of products online, having gone through this. So that means even more demand for e-commerce fulfillment and you know reverse logistics. More more e-commerce means more returns. Uh, so we see the contract logistics providers and, and warehouse operators are really investing in, in automation and robotics to help manage all of that demand. So those are some of the trends that uh, um, you know I certainly see reflected in the list, and you know we've kind of been alluding to this uh, throughout the conversation. But uh, apart from our main top 100 list, which gets top billing, we also have uh, several uh, industry sector lists that look at the largest companies within specific categories. So uh, the most popular is our freight brokerage list. So we're looking specifically at freight brokers. So that, that carves out the forwarders and the Uh, warehousing providers, uh, other 3PLs um, that that all get their own uh, sector lists as well. But uh, Marissa, are there any big changes or maybe points of interest you'd like to discuss as as you look over uh, those sector lists that we put together this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had, I definitely had a couple thoughts as I was going through these. And I mean, obviously, freight brokerage, as we've kind of hammered home, it is the big section um, of the three PL industry right now. But I think we're really seeing um, companies capitalize on expanding their traditional business model to include brokerage. Um, one of those, I have two examples, very much so. You know, Hub Group and ArcBest, um, They're they're freight brokerage, just absolutely shot through the roof this year as opposed to last year. And I think, you know, trying to find new ways in in a hard um, time, you know, the last couple of years have been pretty tricky um, to wade through as an industry. And I think that is something interesting that I saw on the freight brokerage list is a lot of these traditional for hire asset based companies um, really stepping up into the freight brokerage, um, sphere. Uh,
0: and, and, yeah, you know, again, you know, uh, to your point, we, we do rely heavily on, uh, companies, uh, filling out our, our survey that we send out each year, uh, to support this, uh, this publication as we do our research and gather, uh, the information that goes into it. And, uh, we, we certainly want to encourage anybody who maybe is, has not participated in the past or you know, hasn't appeared on our list before to, uh, to reach out to us uh, to fill out that survey, um, you know, that goes of course for the larger companies as well um, to provide us updated information each year. And uh, I just say also, don't be discouraged if you are a smaller company. You know, we do have we do publish data on quite a few mid-sized companies, and um, toward the end of our sector list, even some companies that are kind of in the smaller size side of uh, mid size So you don't necessarily have to be a huge organization to earn a spot. You know, on our sector rankings in particular. Uh, so, Marissa, just uh, for the the benefit of those who are who are listening and and would like to be involved and would like to uh, participate, uh, how can companies get involved uh, in next year's? Um, I had to talk about next year already, but but next year's top one hundred logistics companies project uh, for for those that maybe aren't doing so already.
1: For sure. Yeah, I would just recommend keeping an eye out for an email from us in late January with our survey. Um, You know, if you're not on the uh, email list yet, I would recommend either we've got a a contact form on our website at ttnews.com. Fill that out, let them know what you're interested in getting a part of. um, Put in there what sectors, or if you're a for hire or, you know, right now, logistics company and you're interested in being a part of it, let them know. Otherwise, feel free to email, email me or Seth. Uh, my email is you know, mgamash at ttnews.com. I love to hear from companies, figure out where what list fits you best, and really ensure that we get you on there because the more companies, the more information we have, the higher quality that we can put together every year.
0: Well, excellent. You know, Marissa, thank you for joining the podcast and uh, take us inside the making of our, our top 100 logistics companies list. You know, the... As I mentioned earlier, this is really a valuable resource for the industry. Um, I I know that uh, the the feedback will be great as more and more people see the expanded list. And Thank you for all the hard work you put into this and and bringing it to fruition.
1: Of course, I'm I'm glad to be here and glad to be able to look back at it with a smile on my face. It's been a good couple months. (laughs) Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics.
0: Well, for our listeners, uh, we we hope you've enjoyed this in-depth look at the Transport Topics 2022 Top Logistics Companies list. As a reminder, you can view the entire Top 100 and the sector lists online at ttnews.com. And of course, if you're a Transport Topics subscriber, you already have a hard copy packaged with the April 11th issue of Transport Topics. We'll be back on this podcast later this year with additional episodes of our Inside the List series as we produce the rest of our annual Top 100 and Top 50 publications. The next one up will be our Top 100 for Hire Carriers list in June. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening.